Welcome to Neighbor to Neighbor, a podcast focused on highlighting extraordinary individuals and organizations making an impact in our community. Neighbor to Neighbor is produced by WeQ, a not-for-profit cooperative credit union based in Bellingham, Washington. Welcome to Neighbor to Neighbor. I'm your host, Keith Mater, and today we're speaking with Denise Constantin. She's the executive director for Brigadoon Service Dogs, a nonprofit that provides service dogs for those in need located in Bellingham, Washington. Denise, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Okay, let's just start off right at the top. What is Brigadoon Service Dogs? And please correct me if I'm saying that incorrectly. No, you're correct. Uh, Brigadoon Service Dogs is a uh, school that trains service dogs for veterans, children, and adults with physical, developmental, and behavioral disabilities. Uh, And the whole purpose of it is to give them a more uh, individual life, enriched life. And we train dogs for uh, a lot of different disabilities, more, I think, than most people. We do balanced dogs, brace, mobility, um, diabetic alert, hearing dogs, PTSD, anxiety, different kinds of mental health, and physical. Well, that's great. You obviously serve several needs, which is awesome. But to start off, we're publishing this in relation to Veterans Day. So could you talk about the needs specifically as it relates to veterans and what does that provide for them? The service dogs provide the veterans with um, the confidence to go back into the community. A lot of veterans, when they, what some of their issues are, they're, they're hyper vigilant when they go out. They don't have the confidence. They think everybody's looking at them or going to attack them. So they're always looking about over their shoulder and that sort of thing. And oftentimes they'll get a family member to go with them just to doctor's appointments or wherever they have to go. Once they get a dog, what we have found is the dog actually gives them that confidence that they need, that there is somebody there in a, I don't want to use the word protection, but they're not alone. If they have have an anxiety attack or anything like that, the dog brings them back to the present. If they go, would do a flashback, that sort of thing. So it actually enables them to uh, rejoin the, the community. That's great. Can you talk about the training programs for the dogs that you provide? We usually have anywhere from 25 to 30 dogs in the system at any one time because the uh, success rate nationally is only about 30 to 40 percent. Not everybody can be a service dog. Obviously, that's why the uh, demand is so much greater than the supply of dogs. We do use positive reinforcement. Uh, operant conditioning training in so that our dogs are taught without uh, compulsion. So they want to work. So it's, it goes from operant conditioning uh, to a relationship-based training. And we add cues depending on different clients. That, well, hey, can you get the dog to do this? And so sometimes we will add cues when we get uh, another client um, coming in. For example, we had one uh, veteran who had an anxiety panic attack in the store and he froze and he started shaking and he said, get me out of here now. And so from there, we create an exit queue so that the dog, we train them all the ones that are going to veterans now an exit queue. So the dog is taught to go through each door until they find the one that leads outside. And that's very beneficial. Uh, Besides, there'll be a barrier that we teach uh, behind the client, the veteran, when they're in line to go to the movies or 
store or something like that. So they feel confident that nobody's getting too close to them. The spatial issues is another issue that our veterans have. They don't like to be touched unexpectedly from behind or anything like that. So that's just a couple of things. Uh, nightmares, waking them up from night terrors or nightmares. Uh, I think sleeping is one of the biggest things that I have understood from our veterans that they are they get off their sleeping medication very quickly after receiving a dog. These are just some tiny things that our dogs do for them. Excellent. I believe you have some different training programs for dogs, maybe working with some inmates. Is that right? We have four prison programs. Uh, three of those, we, I work with the um, incarcerated veterans, which is really great because they are used to working as a team. They're used to taking directions. And I think they're a little embarrassed that they're incarcerated in the first place here. They served the country and now they did something dumb when they got out and they ended up being incarcerated. So I think it's a healthy way for them to work through that and know that they're giving something back to the community, especially our veterans, our fellow veterans, their fellow veterans. Um, and I think it's a win-win situation because when you're in prison, it's a negative environment anyway. So when you have a dog and teaching dogs in a positive environment, it, it actually bleeds over to the staff members and the way they communicate with other inmates. So it really is a win-win. And then we actually hired one of the inmates that got out last year, uh, came full circle. He was in the dog program in uh, Aberdeen and we actually hired him last year. So he's a full-time trainer here now. That's really great. So speaking specifically about the veterans, you've created these programs with inmates to help in training of the dogs, and then the dogs are transitioned out to be used sometimes by veterans and other people you serve. Right, right. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a very heartwarming thing to see. Uh, and when I tell them where the dogs are going and how they're doing, it really makes them feel good. Awesome. So you've hit on it a little bit. But And some of this might be obvious, but could you talk a little bit more about how your dogs that have been trained might be different from a dog that someone gets from a breeder or humane society, for instance? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, the main difference between a, somebody's companion dog, a pet dog, and the dogs that we train is our dogs are working dogs, meaning they can't do a lot of normal doggy things in public, such as stopping and smelling or peeing on a bush or eating things off the ground or going and greeting another dog or greeting another person. Uh, we're taking a lot of the natural things that they would do in our community away from them, or at least we're putting it on cue that we say, okay, you need to pay attention to me while we're walking. They're supposed to be within 12 inches of the person and they're supposed to ignore all that environment, which is not natural for them to do. So the way we, we combat that as far as saying, okay, we don't wanna take the, the whole idea of the dog sniffing because it's important for them to use their nose. We just put it on a cue. So you get out of the car, you go somewhere, getting ready to go inside of a building or whatever and you tell the dog to go sniff they're able to smell and use their nose like a pet dog would be. But then when you say, okay, that's enough, let's go. Then the dog is supposed to hand, be on the handler at that point. At no time are they supposed to leave the handler and go say hi to another dog or a person. Uh, that's, you know, you can imagine if somebody was frail or didn't have good balance, if that dog pulled to go say hi to somebody, it could be quite dangerous. So I think those are the couple of things that 
really come right, jump out at me right away that's different from pet training. Um, a well-trained service dog is at least one of ours. We, the dog isn't supposed to be any more than 12 inches from the body of the handler at any time. And they're not supposed to be sniffing shelves or saying hello to the person in front of them, the check lamp. They're just supposed to be paying attention to the handler and pretty much as invisible as possible while they're out there. It's amazing to me to think about the intelligence of some of the dogs that you provide and going beyond what a normal household pet could do. And a lot of this training might be part of the reason why sometimes there might be a financial barrier for someone who might need a dog. And I know that that's something that you branch in some of your programs. There's, um, on our veterans, we don't charge the dogs for the cost of, for the veteran for the cost of the dog. We go out and find sponsorships and grants to cover that. Our civilian clients, however, we ask them to do their own fundraising. Uh, they do need to pay $10,000 for the dog, which is about a third of what it actually costs us to produce one. And they usually have about two years, sometimes three, uh, in order to uh, raise that funding. And that's the average wait time for the civilian. We try really hard to get our veterans' dogs uh, within a year of the time that they apply for the dog. But again, it depends on um, how many dogs stay in the program for that year. If we have 10 dogs that we're going to graduate and not all of them make it, then that's going to push people back longer on the wait line. Amazing. And thank you for the work you do. You know, I was perusing your website and I was reading about some of the stories of the impact that you're making. You know, if someone wanted to get involved and contribute to the work you do, what are some ways they could do that? They can help by... Uh, being a puppy raiser, that's where we get puppies in and we'd like the dogs to be in a puppy home for about the first eight months of their life. Uh, that's one, very, very important because that starts the journey of the service dog is right there at the puppy level. Uh, when we do have a litter of puppies, we have a new building that's almost complete. That's the house of puppies. And we, are, we need the dogs to be handled and cuddled. So they can contact our, uh, our office or go online to our website and fill out an application to volunteer. We're always open to give tours and to talk to people about Brigadoon. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to Neighbor to Neighbor, a community-driven conversation highlighting individuals and organizations making an impact in our community. Neighbor to Neighbor is produced by WeQ. Unless specifically stated otherwise, WeQ does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast, and information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement.